Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Con Report wherever you get your podcast. You're watching on YouTube. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. You can find us there. It's part of Empire Media. That's A M P I R E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. And don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. So there you go. Check me out there. You can check me out on Twitter at John underscore Kime. Hopefully you know that by now. Anyway, another practice report today. It is Wednesday. The commanders were back at practice. So here's another update. We have the, for the media, we have, this is our next to last practice that we get to watch in full. I'm going to keep giving you as many reports as I can, even if we can't watch practices, there's still going to be stuff that you're going to want to know about what happens out here with the commanders, even if we can't watch all the practices. Because at this point, really, it's about getting ready for the games. Anyway, today was a little bit more than two hours and 15 minutes, but no pads. So a lot of work, the show team work, kind of installing things, going over things against the look that you want to the defense to show or the offense to show. So it's really not a as competitive a situation. It's really more about going over things and getting some work done in that regard. No pads. Like I think I said that. So um, today, a couple of things that were notable. Logan Thomas was on the field before pre- or early in practice. They're going individual drills, running, doing some uh, catching the ball a little bit, uh, running, you know, doing some blocking movements, um, you know, going, shedding a blocker and running past or, or getting past a, a a defender, so to speak, with a bag and then going and catching a ball. So a little bit, little some slight explosive movements, a little bit just to test that calf. But it's another step for Thomas in his return from the calf. You know, I certainly think he'll be ready for the opener, you would think. But um, it's a good sign for him to be out here today. Chase Young, he was he practiced the entire day. But again, no pads. So there was no contact. So it wasn't like there was, you know, he's got the stinger in his neck. He's going to have another appointment to get cleared to, for a doctor to see if he can be cleared for contact and then go from there. But because there was no contact drills today, he was able to go for, um, during the team drills as well. John Allen was not out there. He's got the plantar fasciitis. So they're going to really kind of take it easy with him for now. No no reason to push him. That thing can be a little bit nasty, but he can play on it. And they just want to give him as much of a break as possible right now. Um, Dax Milne was not out there. Not sure why. I believe something happened to him in the game. Did not come up before practice when we talked to Ron Rivera. So we saw during practice, get an update tomorrow. Not sure what that means, but it's apparently something may have happened in the game, but he was not out on the field today. Charles Leno was out here. Um, wasn't wasn't really doing a lot of stuff during the team stuff. Co- Sam Cosme uh, was going during the team drills and then eventually gave way to Ricky Stromberg at right guard and didn't do much after that, didn't do anything after that. And then Andrew Wiley was out there. So, you know, that's, again, another sign for them. Speaking of Stromberg, and I want to start with this. So I'm going to go back to the game a little bit since there's not a whole lot new to talk about from practice, but a few things that saw from the game. And Stromberg, I think, to me, continues to impress at guard. So we know he can play center, but that's what he was drafted for. But again, as I've told you, if he wants to be on the active roster on Sunday, he's got to show that he can play guard. And to be honest, to me, that's exactly what he's been showing ever since they put him at that spot. I like his awareness. I like the way, like, I know they like that he plays with, he plays with some stoutness. He's able to anchor. 
And so that's good. And so he's shown some good things. There was one play against the Ravens. And I know like they're going against backups. I get it. And and that's fine. And that's, but you got to start there. And all you can do is listen, if you look bad against them, that's a bad sign. He's, he was doing what he should be doing. And that's a good sign. So I like the awareness he plays with. And there was one time the Ravens blitzed through his gap or to his gap. He shoves the blitzer inside and they, they looped a guy, another defender from the other side all the way around. He picks it up, sees it, blocks the guy, ball gets thrown. Just really good awareness. I just like the way he plays there. I like the way he moves. And the one thing I don't know is out on the screens. How does he move there? I will say the screen game has not looked for as much as they've worked on it. It has not been as successful as I would have thought in the preseason. We'll see where it goes during the regular season. And some of that you wonder is that, do they have guys that don't block as well in space? There are a couple of times they had plays set up the other day. Blocks were just missed. But with Stromberg, going back to that, one thing in this system, you need those guards who can move. That's why I've told you Sadiq Charles is in there ahead of Chris Paul right now because he can move. But Chris Paul blocks with some power, and that's going to be something to watch because Ron Rivera was saying they feel really good about both guards at this point to the point where he said, they're making it so that both of them may have to play in games. Now, how that would happen, who the heck knows? But the point is, they like where Chris Paul is, to, where he's at. And I think they've been pleased with Sadiq Charles. Again, as long as he stays healthy, that's always been the key for him. With Stromberg, though, what it makes me wonder is what happens if he shows that he can be the backup center and a backup guard in a, in a pinch, because he's not going to go in and he shouldn't go in and start there unless there's an emergency. But if he shows that, what do you do with Tyler Larson? So they signed him because they like him as a veteran center. He also can play guard in a pinch. Not really where he's been mostly experienced, but he ha he's shown that in a game he can go in and play it in a pinch. But if you have Stromberg for that, do you have to keep Larson or do you have to do you keep him and not make him active? Do you keep um, only nine offensive linemen and maybe keep an extra guy somewhere else, maybe at receiver? Those are all possibilities, but some of it starts – it, it, the conversation begins that way because of what Stromberg to me has shown. Now, whether or not they agree with that to about the nine or 10, I do know that they like what they've seen from him at guard and they should. But again, with the conversation then, because do you keep Larson or do you keep a guy like Nolan Laufenberg, maybe on the practice squad or an Aaron Montero as a guard, somebody who's a little bit more experienced as a guard who can go play for you. That's their natural spot versus a guy who's a center who can also, who can play guard in a pinch if Stromberg shows, and then you could keep a third center if you wanted to on the practice squad again, like a Nolan Laufenberg. So that's just something to keep in mind as they make these decisions. So we're less than a week away from final cuts. And again, I think that he and Chris Paul did a nice job at guard the other night, Stromberg. Same with Paul. Blocking in space is the one thing I would wonder about, but he does a nice job on the pulling action and he does block with some power. Um, Quan Martin had a tough night and I know he had the pick. That was a terrific pick and a really good, good job on the recovery. He was beaten on the play, but it was a hell of a pick. So good for him for doing that. He also led up on Baltimore's first drive. He was responsible for the guy who was wide open for the touchdown. That was, and there were a couple of times with, with him there, it's communication. Cause it's not like he wasn't beaten on the play. He had the, he executed the wrong assignment on the play. There's a receiver. He was covering the guy inside and another play, if the guy goes to a certain depth, you're passing him off to the corner behind you, which was Emmanuel Forbes. Forbes picks him up. Quan kind of has that oh no kind of look about him. And his guy was the one that ended up scoring the touchdown um, on the play. 
And so like, that's the communication thing earlier in that drive, another communication issue, not <clears throat> this time, the, the, the one who well, actually nobody gave up a big play here. It was a play. The ball was thrown to the other side, but there was one play early in the drive where the, uh, I think it was a back ran a wheel route down the left side, wide, wide open an easy touchdown. If the quarterback looks that way, he stayed to the right through to the right. So no harm, no foul, but a teaching moment for Rashad wild goose and Quan Martin. Now, Martin, I believe on that one, it's like they did point, but you got like the, what they want them to do is to talk, talk as much as possible on that one. That's one where when now that you've they've seen it, you get it corrected. Wild Goose would have stayed over a little bit more and 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 they were OK, I think, with how Quan handled it. But then it's like, OK, make sure with the communication what you guys are doing rather than just pointing at this point, especially because Quan's new. Wild Goose is still young. So the more you can talk, the better off you are. And I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Wild Goose early in camp. He looked like a guy like, hey, you know, you may want to keep him on that 53 because he was doing a nice job in the slot, working him a lot in the slot on with the with the first unit and all that. Now, he's ne was never going to start in the slot because you have when you go three to three corner set, it's Forbes, St. Just inside and Kendall Fuller outside. Those are your top three corners. So if you want another slot guy, you also have. Danny Johnson, and they drafted Quan Martin to handle that role. Martin still is, listen, Martin's still developing. And there are sometimes, even with the blocking, he gets a little bit caught up inside there, has to learn how to play in those tight spaces in the NFL. I think he's a smart kid. I think eventually he'll get there. But those are some of the adjustments you have to make. Anyway, but if you're Wild Goose, you need to show that you can help in other ways. And I again, I think, you know, like, I think Christian Holmes is on there. He's a terrific special teams player. And I think he plays physical and he can play outside with wild goose when he's played outside and they're, they're playing him out there for a reason. They want to see, can you do it? And to be honest, he hasn't done it. And and that's been the, that's a trouble spot for him. So to me, he would have been a, like an 11th DB. I don't know right now if they keep more than 10 <clears throat> because you also look at, you also have to look at like defensive line where if it's me, I'm keeping 11. And that means keeping all those defensive ends, James Smith-Williams, Casey Tuhill, K.J. Henry, Andre Jones. I don't think you're going to cut the rookies. So do you keep both um, Tuhill and Smith-Williams? I think the answer is yes, because the experience. There's still some things that you see with the young guys. They have to learn. Even little things like, I like Andre Jones. He's a The dude's got length. He's got athleticism. He's certainly worth developing. I think he's got a hunger, too. And But there's things that he has to learn. And I like how he plays with his length. And there were a couple of times the other night where he's getting his hands into the defender. And because that length, they can't, it's hard to get back at him. So he's winning that, that, that point of attack battle in those situations. Now, some other times you have to learn how to rush upfield. And sometimes he's just going straight upfield. You want to straighten, you want to kind of angle in at a certain point. Otherwise those big gaps get created, but he's done a nice job. So the point is he's, he warrants a roster spot. And I think they're going to keep KJ Henry for some reason. He plays with more power than Jones. So then, so he's not going to flash as much, but that's what he does better. So, you know, and I, and again, I keep Smith Williams around because you can also, they're using him a lot inside right now. See if he can do it. I keep two hill around. One thing that with two hill they like is that when he plays that end spot, they can run certain um, blitzes with him because they know he can drop and cover. So that they give, he gives them that he's, he's a pretty good, he's he has good athleticism so he can do that for them. But I would keep 11 there, four linebackers, 10 defensive backs on defense go. If you, that's 25 defensive players. 
There is still time for one more family adventure this summer. The country's largest climbing and zipline park is open seven days a week until Labor Day with eight different levels, 16 courses, 250 climbing obstacles, and over 4,000 feet of zip lines, the Adventure Park at Sandy Spring, located in Montgomery County, Maryland, is the perfect place to spend the last few days of summer. Once you're back on the ground, head over to Axe Throwing and try one of their brand new games. You can play Battleship, Blackjack, throw at traditional targets, or even upload your own images. They are now accepting group and family reservations for this fall. Can't make it out before school is back in session? Not to worry, the Adventure Park is open Friday through Sunday, every weekend this fall. To end the summer right, listeners of this show can now get $10 off any ticket by entering the promo code KIME23DC at checkout. That's KIME, K-E-I-M, 23DC at checkout. There's still time to get outside and join the adventure at theadventurepark.com. Another guy I want to talk about on offense is Kaz Allen, because I think he's going to be one of the more interesting ones to watch as a returner. He is not there on offense, folks. He's a He was a running back at UCLA, converted to receiver, played a full-time last year. He's got a ways to go to develop there. That's okay. If he makes his team, it's not because of what he can do as a receiver. They're okay there. It's because of what he can do as a returner. And, you know, he shows – so what I like about him, he shows quickness. I think he shows pretty good vision and he shows the ability to cut and constantly move forward as he's cutting. That's good. So he's, he had a 30, I think it was a 38 yarder last week and a 28, 20, 20 yarder against the Ravens. Another key here. So he didn't have experience catching punch in UCLA and it kind of makes you wonder why now did they not trust him? He returned kicks, kickoffs. He had a couple of long kickoff for touchdowns. So why didn't they trust him with punts? Maybe they, I, and I don't know enough about that, but it does like you always wonder about everything. However, what I've seen out here from him, they've given him a ton of reps catching the ball because they want to be able to trust him. It's all about trust at that position. It's not about fans and a lot, you know, a lot of people are going to see like, oh, the big flashy play. Coaches want you to secure the ball first and foremost. They need to trust you. For example, there was one punt the other night where this is how you earn trust. He's got his feet at the 10-yard line. There's a, a punt. The Ravens are punting from around midfield. And, you know, you need to make the right decision. You need to catch the ball. If you're going to catch it, if you muff it, it's 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 going to be six points the other way or first and te- first and goal for the other way, whatever it is. So he, he fair catches it, nine-yard line. There's a Ravens guy, like, kind of right behind him, but he catches the ball. That's how you build trust. So I think, like, they need to see him in some more of those situations so they can gain that trust level. But he's going to be one to watch because – Again, if he makes it, and I also think like he's got to make it as a kick and punt returner because if you're going to be that sixth or seventh receiver and you're going to be active, you better feel more than just a punt returner because you need to handle – they just don't have enough spots for guys to be active that you can just have someone who only returns punts, especially if you're not going to help them from scrimmage. I don't know, like with Milne, depends on what he's dealing with. Um, you know, we know what he is as a returner. He catches the ball, he'll get five or six yards, and that's it. And offensively, while he can run the routes, he really hasn't done a whole lot there. Now, I know they like him in the red zone as a route runner, but we still haven't seen him really convert a lot there, right? Because they have other guys, but they do like him in some of those roles inside the red zone 
or at least they had in the past. So, you know, by uh, Pringle, he can do stuff too. So there are some other guys that you'd have to do more than, but where Kaz has the abilities, he gives them something that others don't have, which is that quickness on the punt return. So when they can start trusting him, catching the ball consistently, that's when I think he'll get a chance. Now it could be for the season opener. It could, they could end up keeping him, but you'll know, like if he makes it, it's because they, they say they do trust him. And he's caught, like I said, they have him, have him back there in practice a lot. And obviously they have others working there too. But when they, you know, today it was just, I think it was primarily just him back there fielding punts off the judge machine, whatever. So they're giving him a lot of chances to, for them. And he looks, he looks pretty good catching the ball. So, you know, I think he's in a good, I think he's in a, I think he is trending in the right direction. He's got to finish it with a good showing against the Bengals on Saturday. All right, now let's, oh, Terry McLaurin. So the update with him is really no update. He did have, he had the x-rays after the game, told you about that. Nothing changed on Monday when he got an MRI. MRI negative as well, no major injury. That's good for him. Did not see him out here. He's got the sprained toe. I can't call it turf toe. I haven't been told that it was turf toe. Sprain can be different than a turf toe. So, you know, just careful with that. And and know there's a lot of internet doctors out there. But what I know is that there's still optimism about his availability for the opener, and they hope to get him out here doing some stuff next week. They're kind of having him stay off his feet for a few days. So that's the update there. Now, the other question is, it kind of leads to that question. And it's, it's an, it happens every summer where it's like, oh, guy gets hurt in the preseason, so therefore he shouldn't have been out there. Well, it's, it's a tough one because it's football. Guys get hurt. Guys get, I've seen guys get hurt in practice because it's football. Things happen. And you can't predict when it's going to happen. Now, the only thing with with McLaurin, a guy like that, it's it's you knew you knew you were only going to play him two quarters. It's a two minute drive late in the second quarter. Could you have been okay? Well, of course you could have been okay taking him out. Then they wanted to see the offense in a two minute with that group together with Sam Hollett quarterback. It's a chance to work on something that they haven't gotten a lot of time together with. That's why he was out there. But it's always that that catch twenty two. Like okay, you want, but you know, going into that game, the whole thing was stay healthy. And you don't want to have a guy like that end up end up hurt, and because he's so important and vital to this team. But you can't predict when guys get hurt, and that's the hard part. I remember when Darius Geis was here, his rookie year. I remember talking to Jay Gruden about this one time, one time where he said, like he had told Darius, "I'm going to give you seven snaps in this game. Seven. That's all it was. On the seventh snap, he tears his ACL. So he had already planned for him not to play much, and in the last snap of seven, only seven. He tears ACL. And I remember what he said, like, you know, if I only give him six, maybe he does this and that and that. But that's, again, that's football. And it's an unfortunate part. But, you know, the other funny thing is there are a lot of times where if they don't play their starters in games, people say, why didn't they play their starters? They need to play. They need work. Then you get work and then you get then you get a guy hurt like Terry. And it's like, why was he in there? So sometimes you can't win. And it's hard because, like, like I said, if they had taken him out, would I have said, oh, he needs the work? No, I would not have said that, and nor would anybody else, because he doesn't need the work. They need the Sam Howell needs to work with him. That's fine. And you know, I just think that's it's always hard when it comes to injuries to really second guess because because of because it is football. Now, if he were playing in the third preseason game, like there's no reason for that. They've had good work, they had a good good two days against the Ravens. But I do, and even Eric Bienemy was talking about this after practice today, which is they need work together. They need a lot of work. They need the reps because they just, they're a new offense. You have a new, a young quarterback, a new coordinator. It, it, 
They they need as much work as they can get. And that's why it's funny because I brought up the other day about how they faced the Ravens backups and they did. However, I do think it was excellent work for them because they need to just, they just need time out on the field together. So, you know, how well they would have done against the starters. Well, we saw them do a pretty good job in practices against them. And I still liked Howell's decision-making. I still liked the way he moved in the pocket and some of the throws he made that, you know, if you have a guy in your face or you don't, that happens in a game too. So, you know, I think it was probably a little bit different for the linemen going against backups than it would be for Howell because guys still have to get open and he still has to make the right decision. And for him, to me, it was all technique. He still, there are times where his feet are moving with his eyes through the progression. That's what I like because that's what he needs to show. So whether that's against seconds, thirds, starters, he showed what he needed to show. I think that was the important thing for him and for them. Anyway, I don't think that answers anything, but it's like, there you go. So um, lastly, uh, Jamin Davis was not here at practice today. He was sick, stayed home. Oh, also, I forgot to tell you that Jacoby Brissett did take some first team reps. We were told that was going to happen. It said, do not read into that. There's nothing to read into. Um, it's just that they want to get him some work on obviously a lot of work on Saturday. And then it's just a chance to work with some guys that you may have to work with during the season. And he hasn't spent a lot of time with them. So if something happens to how he's got to have some time with these linemen and they have to hear his cadence, he's got to get used to them, et cetera. So that's why I did it. And with Davis again, Davis, just one little nugget before I get out of here. Davis, to me, has been their best linebacker this camp. Cody Barton, I think, is still showing that he's still learning this defense. And I still think he has to learn how to play off those double teams up front because there's sometimes if you hesitate with those, those double teams become a lot more effective. That's something that I, I see more with Jamin where he's taking advantage of that a little bit better. I don't think Cody's taking advantage of that at this point. And, and will it happen? We'll see. But, you know, I do know he's still new to the defense and, you know, it can take a minute or two to get caught up to speed with it. But that's something I'll be watching for because if you can take advantage of those double teams here, if you force them off the if you force them off the tackle early, maybe they're making the play. But if you're if you're hesitant, if you're slow with it, then the double team's effective on the tackle and now they're getting to you and now there's a hole. So and the other thing is some of those double teams are playing behind what's well, against Benning Pote or some of those guys. Well it's a little bit different if 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 you're trying to hold a John Allen or Deron Payne. And, you know, you can play differently, but Jamin Davis is playing faster off those double teams right now than Barton. So let's just see how he progresses from here. Anyway, that's it for me. I'll be back on Thursday with another practice report from Commanders Park. So I'll talk to you next time.